that work? I think it worked. Nice. The fuck? You know what I did is I hit record and it worked. I love that for us. What's that? I said I love that for us. So good when it happens when it's nice. Listen. (laughs) Sun has to shine on a dog's butthole every now and again, you know? (laughs) It sure does. Now we're cooking with gas. Gas. So we are live. We're live. Sarah Card. That's so, it's so fast. No foreplay. It usually takes us about 23 to 27 (laughs) minutes to go live. (laughs) Nope. Not this time. (laughs) Oh my God, dude. I am coming down with a cold and it is. Don't do it. You got to go to, this is what you do. You go to Whole Foods. You do have one of those up there in Canada, right? No. Like the nearest Whole Foods is like an hour and a half from me. So you can suck a bougie dick, okay? I got like a cheese stand (laughs) and a Walmart. I don't know what you want from me. (laughs) There's this spray that I use that's unbelievable. It's like a mushroom spray. And it, whenever I'm feeling the oh. way you're feeling, I take it and it kills everything. Maybe you could put that in my stocking this year, my Christmas stocking. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there, aren't we? At least the way you're dressed, it looks like you guys are pretty close to Christmas. It's pretty close. It's, it's fucking cold here. I actually put on lipstick because I looked so washed out that I mm-hmm. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. it's so bad. I would like to just point out that. I sent you a Christmas gift last year. What? And it was just so quiet on this end. Just... <laughs> you did send us something, didn't you? I sent you cookies for the whole family. That's right. Oh, that's so bad. It's just, it's so quiet and lonely. <laughs> oh, man. This year, you can bet I'm you're getting, getting some shit. I'm getting some mushroom mm-hmm. spray. You're getting some mushroom spray. Corey's going to get something. <laughs> shit. Mom's going to get a scented candle, a Yankee candle. <laughs> God damn. It's going to be a fucking. <laughs> I just like went online and ordered you a bucket of cookies. Like I didn't. <laughs> I think I just fucked myself <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's coming now. It's coming in hard. You're not going to believe the shit you get. It's I can't wait. Start, it comes in on a pallet. Huh? <laughs> it comes in on a pallet, like on the back of like a loader. <laughs> right, exactly. Santa. <laughs> Welcome back to Not Your Mama's Therapy. I'm here with Lair Torrent, licensed marriage and family therapist, the one and only. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess going to send them out over it this time. I didn't yeah. expect that. Listen, I like to keep you on your toes. I'm Sarah Card. I'm host, connoisseur of all things therapy. I like Mm -hmm. to dabble in different types of therapy every so often, you know? Yeah, any port in a storm, huh? (laughs) Honest to God. (laughs) (laughs) You're not fucking wrong. (laughs) But as much as I love talking about me, I want to talk about you for a second. Oh. Because something very important happened to you last weekend. Mm -hmm. And you officiated a wedding. I did. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I would like to know how that went for you. Yeah, yeah it was um, It was an interesting event. You know, it was all, you know, you know me long enough now to know who the Brother Jimmy's crew is. Yes. Yes. And, and for those who are listening, the Brother Jimmy's crew for, uh, for, for me and for my wife 
It's a crew of people who worked at Brother Jimmy's in New York for an inordinate amount of time. We all worked at this very pivotal, in this very pivotal city, at this very pivotal time in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so when we tell people we worked at a bar or a restaurant there, Mm -hmm. they are, uh, they're like, oh yeah, I know me too. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't understand. This place was, I mean, it's dyed in the wool of who we are now. And okay. so v- very often we get together for these things. There's there's easily 10 of us that live in Charleston now, okay. but there was a whole crew in, in, from, in from, from all parts for this wedding. And, okay. you know, I don't think that the gallery of people were really expecting what what they got, but, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll punctuate the whole story by just saying that within the vows, okay, the, the woman getting married, Nicole is our very dear friend from brother Jimmy's. And she found this man who can put up with all of her shit because she is wild and uh, she's untamed. She's feral. I, I, and we knew that Tony I need was her right. Number. Yeah. She's out of, <laughs> she's, she's, she's out of pocket always. And you would love her. I already do. Her her maid of honor described her as the kindest mean person I've ever met in my life, which I thought was spot on. It, was just, it gives you a sense of who she is. She just says whatever she feels like saying. Okay. I love it. Go One ahead. time she came up, she, she comes back to me. She's at the bar at the service station and she goes, oh, and I go, what's wrong? She's like, I just, she's from New Orleans. She's like, I just was at a table taking an order and I farted. And <laughs> I go, well, did they hear it? She goes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) That's Nicole. Yeah. So when Tony, restaurant tour and all around good dude, when Tony in his made up vows on the spot, right? Like he's just, he's going off the cuff. Oh man. Okay. Turns to her. And mentions that with within the the, the, the keepings of their marriage, because we're talking about relationships here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know that as long as she keeps things together, keeps you know keeps herself up, and all of the things, inclusive of which he included anal bleaching in the vows. <laughs> I kid you not. I have it on tape. <laughs> yeah. Only at a brother Jimmy's wedding. There's no, singularly like, no place where that would be. You know, didn't really get that much of a like a like not, like you hear probably what did she say? He's saying anal bleaching. Like you could hear it as they were, as I've seen the various videos. Oh, he said anal bleaching. Uh, uh, just a mild sort of nod towards it. <laughs> this group, this group was crazy. Yeah. Oh my god, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. I I'm suddenly really sad that I didn't include that in my vows with Corey. Listen, he needs to keep up. That's on what that. I'm saying. Like I I really mm-hmm. missed the ball in ensuring his anus remains bleached. You know what I mean? Like, just. <laughs> you got to keep them white walls going. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You know, so, so what are we talking about today other than anal bleaching and um, strange weddings? Uh, oh, you told the story about, well, I heard, well, I heard it the fart. And I, all I could think about was the fact that I wanted to start this whole recording off by telling you that I just peed so hard that like I went through all five practices while I was sitting there. It was just peeing. All of them. <laughs> like what happened? Did you have a big glass of water? What what was going on? Yeah. I mean, I, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, I got to get all this work done before we mm-hmm. record kind of yeah. thing. And so I was like, oh, you know, uh, muscling through it. 
So when I finally <laughs> sat down, I'm telling you, I saw our entire podcast, every recording we'd ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I reread your book and listened to it on Audible. Like, it was during that the, long. like <laughs> wow. It was incredible. Yeah, it's intense. Listen, we're not here to talk about that. We're here for part two of our Q&A. Q&A. And I'm really mm-hmm. excited because this it. one, the questions that we talked about in Q&A one, they were kind of questions that are like, they maybe they come up in therapy. And the questions today are more around... Mm-hmm. Going into therapy, staying in therapy, relationships with your therapist, that sort of thing. So, and then just some recommendations from you. So I'll start with, how do you find a therapist? Like, what's the best way? Where do you recommend people go? Well, the best is by referral from a friend. That's where I get the best, the best clients, mm-hmm. typically. I always hate the idea of someone having to go searching through, psych, even psychology today, or, yeah. you know, Google search that might find you something. But, you know, by and large, people, as like you said last time, I said, you think they, they pretty much just look at the person above them on that that list of therapists and sort of copy and paste. I try to create a safe space. Right. That's you know, exactly right. Everybody that. has the same bullets. Kind of. Yeah. Even you know, mine. I've had <laughs> I've actually had colleagues of mine say, do you mind if I just like copy yours and use it? Because mine's pretty good. Sure. And I say, of course. And look, mine I mean, does I describe, and I've gotten a lot of people coming from my Psychology Today profile. I also like the newest thing is like Instagram. Mm, yeah. Because you get delivery, you get the delivery. Like my delivery in office is pretty much the delivery you're going to see on my Instagram page because those things are, <laughs> this right. is my mood and my various faces and parts that come out. So, you know, Instagram's kind of a newer way that you can go to that page and you can kind of tell many therapists don't have Instagram pages, but a lot do. And I think a lot of us who are trying to stay current, you know, within the trends and will understand this new world of social media and the pressures that puts on, if those therapists aren't on social media, that's probably fine enough, but it also probably tells you that. You know, this is probably my bias, but perhaps they're a little more old school. Yeah. But by and large, it's 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 a referral because, you know, if you have a trusted friend who can tell you that, man, this this person really did these things with me and for me and this is what you get and this is what you can expect. That's awesome. And, and you know, I always like getting referrals uh, from people that I've already known. But yeah, I think I think that's probably it. Referrals, but you know, mm-hmm. it, it, sometimes they're hard because you then have to go to someone, and perhaps you don't want to talk about the fact that my partner and I are having problems, or I'm struggling in this area of my life. Do you know somebody? But you might want to brave that one and and uh, and yeah. find a way to ask the question. I completely agree. Having gone through multiple avenues to find therapists over the last fifteen years, I would say the most successful ones that I've ever found were recommendations. It's how I found you. It was a recommendation from a friend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a recommendation from a friend. Then my best friend saw you. She was like, incredible. I was like, fine, I guess I'll call him. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that worked out great. You came in as reluctant as you possibly could be. 100%. I, it was very uncomfortable for me. So... (laughs) That's the goal. Let me tell you. So the first time you called me, I was at work. It was one of those like, hey, I got your message. Let's, what are you looking for? Like you kind of did that whole thing. And the whole time I'm thinking this guy's voice is out of a fucking romance novel. Like, what am I doing here? Like, what 
Yeah. Not and then it idea. all led to the audio book, which I now listen to every night before I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I won't let this die. And Corey's like, again? <laughs> all he hears is... <laughs> yeah. He's, and you know what? I keep getting texts from him. He's like, hey, dude, thanks for warming her up for me. <laughs> when did I become his fucking fluffer? <laughs> I'm a learned man. Yeah, there okay. I am. Pull on the cord. <laughs> Give her a minute, Corey. Pull the choke. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, not far <laughs> off. <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. Uh, my best referrals have been from friends. So my cur- my current therapist is from a friend. Just worked out. But I think your point is super valid. Like from the Instagram social perspective, I would be, I feel like this day and age, even though I'm 40, which doesn't make me old, but it doesn't make me young. I feel like even I don't necessarily trust somebody who's not on social media. Interesting. Sharing Why? their passion. I don't know. It just feels, it's like you said, I would be worried that, okay, this person doesn't believe in social media. That immediately categorizes them as like Mm -hmm. a little more old school to me. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not going to be able to tell them that sometimes when I have anxiety, I smoke a joint. You know what I mean? I think your point's a good one because very often, not always, but the, the therapists that I know who aren't really on social media, sometimes they're their boundaries are particular ones. And I think the new, a new move movement in therapy is for therapists to skillfully and from a uh, very sound therapeutic perspective to kind of blow up the, the opaque curtain as it were of therapy and to, to share a little bit more, be a little bit more out there with your thoughts, with your feelings, with your own experiences to validate, to skillfully validate, hopefully the, the, the client's perspective and their experience. And so, you know, that does give people kind of a glass bottom boat into mm-hmm. you and your, your views and kind of what you're doing. And, you know, I will, even on my professional page, I will include, you know, my wife and sometimes pictures of my kids, uh, just to kind of give people a well-rounded understanding of me as a human being, because I do think that the, the the newest movement in therapy is I don't necessarily want you to be just this blank screen going, uh-huh, uh-huh, and tell me how you feel about that. Mm-hmm. Clients tend to want you to roll up your sleeves a little bit and know that you're a human being. So someone who's not on social media, therapist who's not on social media, not doing that, there's probably going to be some of that old school sort of very, very clearly defined boundaries, which look, I think boundaries for therapists are hugely important, but they are not what they used to be. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. And for some people, they might be like red flag if my therapist is on social. So it really all depends Mm -hmm. on you. Truly. So for, for me, I think when you and I first started talking, I don't think you were as prevalent on social media as you are now. Like you're definitely much more involved. And I think it's really a service to the people who are getting to know you or who could only Mm -hmm. know you over social that they Mm -hmm. actually get to experience that. So if there are therapists listening, it might be a nice idea to let people see you and Mm -hmm. experience you more. Well, I was, I was reluctant to get on there. I didn't want to get on there and I, nor did I think that everyone needed to hear from me on, on the daily but since the book came out, it was kind of became a necessity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I found that people, they, they really resonate with it. And so they will reach out mm-hmm. and DM me 
you know, people DM me almost daily or, 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 you know, at least a couple of times a week to say, Hey, this book really touched me in that way. I really like that thing you said about this. Oh, by the way, you know, do you see people virtually or, you know, where are you that, that I might be able sure. to, you know, catch some of your stuff. So it does, it also becomes a real, you know, boon for you business-wise. Sure, absolutely. I think we're kind of dancing around this next question, but more specifically, what are some red flags that a person should look out for when choosing a therapist? Some red flags is if they fall asleep during session. <laughs> Just, you know. Or if they open mail during your session. Didn't you have that happen? I I had a therapist filing her nails. Filing her during nails, a session. that's right. That's right. Yeah. I had one yeah. friend of mine tell me that her therapist tried to set her up with another client more than once. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not kicking the hornet's nest at all. No, no, not. Mm-hmm. Listen, I can't think of a more solid start to the relationship than being introduced by your therapist. Just, you mean? That sounds our perfect. Th- our therapist introduced us. <laughs> Sounds great. Though I That's will say flag. I met one of my one of my best friends is I met her in a, like a group therapy session. So sometimes it works out. Yeah, group therapy is a little <laughs> bit different because, you know, you're you, there's an understanding that you're totally. coming together for this thing. And so quite naturally, right. you know, and the therapist probably says, like, look, perhaps you want to be careful with having relationships outside of this particular group until the group's over. People never listen. Yeah, but you Never. found a great friend in that too. So, you know, that's no harm oh, at all. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I lured her in with talk of butt plugs. I oh. just want you to know that. Like, that's how I won her over. Yeah. yeah, she knew that that was the conversation that really reeled her in. I don't want to brag, but yeah, it was. <laughs> you do have a way. <laughs> you started off this conversation with like horse piss, essentially, just a, just a, just an absolute torrent of urine. Truly. Yeah. And truly, I was drawn in immediately. Truly. I know. That's my charisma. Yeah. And also uh, just back to the question, um, you know, red flags. If, if you notice that the therapist is doing their work in your room, mm. if you have a particular mm-hmm. expertise, and they're, they're mining you for that. Maybe not the best, although there is some precedent set for trades being, you know, it, it, this is kind of dovetailing into a whole nother area, but it, there it is, it's not done often, but it can be done where if a client has a hard time affording something that perhaps the, the, there can be trade for services because what's worse turning a client away because mm-hmm. they can't pay or finding a way to work it out. But, you know, that also has to be incredibly boundaried. Yes. You know, I mentioned maybe looser boundaries a minute ago. But you want to make sure that your, your therapist has firm boundaries and has you in the forefront of their mind around all interventions, things that they talk about. If they share, like I share in mm-hmm. therapy all the time when I think it's appropriate. And I will say, if this isn't helpful, just let me know and I won't do that. But I had an experience that might serve to validate or be akin to what it is that you went through. 99.9% of the time, I my, my people have said, you know, it was so validating to hear that you're not fixed, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. A, a therapist who doesn't have a supervisor and or who is not in therapy, not good. Mm-hmm. There are therapists out there who have, have shared with me, like, I've never actually been to therapy. Mm-hmm. And so a red flag is a therapist who asks you to walk a path that you're not, that they aren't willing to walk mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. those are all great. Next question. Mm-hmm. What should I do before my first session with my therapist, if anything? You, you, you want to have a, a, some idea of what you want to talk about. The, the question I always ask myself is, 
what do I want to talk about? And sometimes I'll ask, is there anything I really don't want to talk about? Mm, that's that's right. a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. The question of what do I not want to talk about? You know, that that one, I used to do that to myself all the time, walking to my therapist's office. I know what I want to talk about today, but what don't I want to talk about? And invariably, mm-hmm. that's where the gold is. Now, you don't yes. have to talk about that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could also tell the therapist in, in that session, you know, that I was on my way over here. I was thinking about what I want to talk about. I also thought about what I don't want to talk about. And so I just want to put it on the whiteboard for later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, oh, okay. And so mm-hmm. that's a, that's a really great thing to do. But, you know, most people are really nervous when they first come through the door. They don't know what's going to happen. And totally. I try to let everybody know when, especially when I see that come in, that we are not here to do harm. It's not my job to absolutely, and here's another red flag to the red flag question, any therapist who's just there trying to tear down your boundaries and, you know, needs to somehow plow through your defense mechanisms and moving too fast, you don't want mm-hmm. that either. And so I tell everyone, I think in the beginning, at the, at the outset, that like, I'm not here to tear down your defenses. They're up there for a very, very good reason. It's up to me to earn your trust. Mm-hmm. And so take it slow. Don't feel like you have to come out of there with some nugget of profundity or, or a pot of gold of, you know, that's going to come. Hopefully it does not have to come in the first day. You're really there kind of vetting this person because you've maybe talked to them on the phone or over email or whatever it is, but you want to get in there and really feel into like, how do I feel with this person in the room? Yeah. What's the vibe? Less about like, man, I really want to get something for my money today. You want to take it slow, find out what they're about. And see if you're comfortable with them. Because I will say to people all the time, I'll say, you know, look, at the end of the session, you might come up with, I'm not your guy. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's important for you to decide if I'm the person for you. And you really check in with yourself. And I have no ego in it. And if you decide that like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm just not feeling a male therapist. That's a thing. Great. Mm -hmm. Let me help you find somebody who might be a better Mm -hmm. fit for you. No, I love that. I I think that's a really good good point. And I think what you said at the end there is especially important because people don't break up with their therapists or they feel bad for breaking up with their therapists mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, you've, you've got to be getting something out of it. You can't be going there because you feel bad. Mm-hmm. And if you are going because you feel bad, that's probably something to talk about too. <laughs> like, well, right. And then, you know, when is it time? Mm-hmm. So I try to be very, I try, I, I never want any clients to ever think for even a moment that I'm there for the money. Mm-hmm. The money's important for a lot of reasons because daddy likes nice things. No, mm-hmm. um, it's there for a boundary. It's there to denote the relationship as being what it is, a place where I leave my stuff out and you bring your stuff in. Mm-hmm. But I never want anyone to think for even a moment that like, you know, they should come for me or be taking care of me in some way. And that'll happen from time to time. So what I'll do is I'll try to gingerly bring up like, so I'm wondering how you feel about this process, like where we are, where we've been. And, you know, are you thinking about uh, moving on at any point? You have to be careful because you don't want anyone to feel like they're being kicked mm-hmm. out because that'll trigger the wounded child within, you know, especially if there's an abandonment history. But I like to check in with people, especially if I feel like the work that they came in to do is kind of coming to an end. And I'll say, mm-hmm. well, is there something else you want to work on? And mm-hmm. so often I get people saying, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I, I think I might be good for a little while or I might want to try like a couple of months of not. And I'm like, I think that's a great idea. And mm-hmm. so we collaboratively do that sort of breakup. 
Um, and I always think that leaves people feeling really empowered and cared for. I, I totally agree. You actually jumped ahead because one of my questions is about when to know you're done, but I'll get to um, that one in a second. Okay. Well, I'll re-answer it in another way, perhaps. I love that. So here's a good question. And I think it's particularly relevant after the last couple of years with the pandemic and all that other shit, which is, do you feel like you, and I know you do, but in general, do you feel like offering therapy over Zoom is as mm-hmm. successful for your clients as it would be in your office? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do. And I know I can hear people going, well, you know, I really like the in-person thing. I hear that. And the thing that I often find that it, that happens is when people are in the safety of their own homes, I have, they'll say to me, you know, I don't know that I would have ever said that had I not been here in this place. I just, this is my, this is my nest. This is my home. This is my space. And so Mm -hmm. they feel often inherently safe in that space. And so often whatever it might be lost, the few percentage points, if we can go that way, um, that might be lost in the zoom thing, I do think is made up for on that end. Now, Mm. some people say, well, what about with couples for me? And this is just my opinion. I find I am as good a clinician virtually as I am in office and not that much as I don't think we're really losing that much. It is the wave of the future. I think it's the way things are going to continue to go. And I think it it works really, really well. And here's another piece, you know, the, the virtual aspect allows us to reach people in areas that would not normally be able to find this echelon of care. That's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And so most of the time you'll find these like, you know, target rich environments for good therapists are, are metropolitan cities, especially ones that have schools that have therapy schools. And so like you go to New York and you can't swing a dead cat without a good therapist, Philadelphia, you know, all these places, but you know, what about out in rural, who knows where they might not have that and, and often don't. And they've got, Here. you know, four or five, 10 people mm-hmm. to choose from. Maybe if, if, even if it's 50 mm-hmm. people to choose from. You still might not be able mm-hmm. to find your person that likes like it's that's a great fit for you in that pool. Mm-hmm. And so this mm-hmm. option allows you to search a very, very wide area and find someone who actually does the thing that you want them to do the way you want them to do it. I think that's such a good point. And and super valid. I mean, I live in rural Wisconsin. Um, mm-hmm. and my therapist is completely virtual and and mm-hmm. she's great. But I wouldn't have her if I didn't allow myself to be to to receive therapy over Zoom. And I would hate Mm -hmm. to miss out on that. So I think what you said also about being in your home and your safe place, I think that's really interesting. I never really put that together, but you're 100% right that being able to be in your own place and know that literally the only thing that's keeping you here is that little red button. The moment I click it, you're gone and I don't have to, you know. And so that is the only thing that's keeping me from, you know, just being alone in my space and being feeling and and consuming like the emotions that I've gotten from my therapy and all of that. So I think it's such a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think people should try it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes, you know, you break people open in therapy and, you know, it's like, okay, so the 50 minutes is over and you try to put them back together as best you can. They still have to navigate going out of your office, getting in their car, and going, <laughs> going home. Oh it's like God. you say, you know, you push that red button and I'm here, I'm in my space. I can curl up on my couch or on my bed or whatever is the night where I am and just be. The yes. other thing that I say to people is look, and this may be a little out there for some, but energy does energy transcends time and space. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm less, I mean, I'm, I'm physically in the room with people 
when I've been in physically in the room with people, but more, more than anything, I am energetically present. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that virtual space is a call for me to really be there energetically, be really, really present, um, in that. And I think, again, energy transcends time and space. And I think, you know, if you were to pull my client, my clients, they would tell you, I feel totally connected. And I even say to people, look, if this isn't for you, Mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, I've, I've had maybe one or two people over the course of the years, cause I've been doing this a lot longer than the pandemic, than the pandemic, um, sure. say, you know, I just prefer in person. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I won't charge you for that session. Um, uh, but mm-hmm. you know, we also look at like finding a good therapist and then finding a good therapist who's in, who, who is not virtual, who's in the room with you. Mm-hmm. And then, so then people also add like, and also finding a, a good therapist that fits me that, carries my insurance. It's like the more variables you add onto it, the harder it gets to find that relationship. And so, um, yeah, I think that people probably need to get used to, uh, doing it virtually, especially Mm -hmm. if you want to find the right person for you and which is Mm -hmm. the most important aspect. Such, Such a good point. Okay. So the next question that I have, um, is what's, so, you know, I always ask you about like the things you can do while you're in therapy. Here's a good question. What books should I read? Are there things that I should be consuming while in therapy or things you would recommend people consume while in therapy? Anything that uh, the books you should consume while in therapy may, you know, look, look, if you have a therapist who's a cognitive behavioral therapist, there are plenty of books out there on cognitive behavioral therapy. You should probably bone up on that and Mm -hmm. have some working knowledge of what's going on. If you know, your, your therapist kind of digs into attachment theory. You're probably going to want to read books on attachment and, and, and have some understanding, some good questions mm-hmm. for them. You know, we have some, some, some good meat in the conversation it, it helps you to understand the interventions that they're trying to use with you. It gives you homework to do in between sessions. And so, you know, for me, since mindfulness is such a big part and that Eastern philosophy is such a big part, I will often steer people toward, books in that genre. And so, you know, I have people reading The Power of Now. I have people reading Tara Brock's book, Radical Acceptance. Mm-hmm. I have people reading The Untethered Soul mm-hmm. by Michael Singer. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll have them reading some Pima Children, mm-hmm. just things that are sort of in that genre. And then I might have them then read some stuff on mm-hmm. parts work to get them. And then, you know, wounded child stuff and emotionally focused therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, when they start bringing things in that they're interested in, you know, like, so people will kind of a streak of stoicism recently. Mm. That seems to be a big one. So, like, I have some references for them around the stoics. I've found with, so when I first started therapy, I was literally attending twice a week and that was it. Like, I wasn't, like, doing anything. I mean, obviously, you're, like, trying to better yourself, but I wasn't, like, actively educating myself outside of my sessions. and. When I started doing that, I think my therapy became so much more effective because I understood Mm -hmm. what my therapist was like, the path my therapist was trying to guide me on. It's like, you know, if you have a Sherpa, but you don't realize you're climbing Mount Everest, 
it's going to make it that much harder. Truly. Whereas if you know you're climbing Mount Everest and you have the Sherpa, you can be much more prepared and mm. be much more knowledgeable in your healing. So yeah, I, I love, I always love writing down your recommendations and picking them up and reading them because I think it just makes it so mm. much easier to, to understand where we're going together. If that makes sense. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I really wanted my book to be a reference uh, source for people. You know, I, I, I give all kinds of credit in my book left and right, mm-hmm. as you should people mm-hmm. on Instagram pretending your shit mm-hmm. you should be referencing people. You're not writing a, a grad paper, but you know, yeah. it's nice to say, you know, Eckhart Tolle said, and give the person who deserves the credit credit. You see people just stealing shit left and right on Instagram. That aside, off that soapbox. What the reading does that you're talking yeah. about, it hammocks the work. Between, it's, it's a hammock between sessions, right? I really do have a problem when someone is obviously mm-hmm. hasn't done a lick of work since the moment we closed up shop last week, right? They have not even thought about it. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we're, we're starting kind of anew. Mm-hmm. We get into a lot of storytelling. Um, but if someone's waking up every day and they've got a journal in hand, they've got a book that they're reading and maybe they're sitting there and they're sort of contemplating what's happening in their lives and reflecting on stuff that's coming off that page or something we talked about in session between sessions. Oh man, that's traction. That's traction quick. And I think that's what you're alluding to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's something I'm so proud of him. My, my brother has started doing is like he, he donates plasma every so often and like he'll bring your book to his session and just read and like go over like the little worksheets and stuff like that. Like he'll, he, he does the whole thing while he's just That's sitting so there sweet. using that time. Yeah. So That's awesome. yeah, it's, it's important though too. So, okay. Next question. What do you do as a therapist? If you know a person isn't going to be successful on your, your therapy path, or if you recognize this couple, this is, they're not going to make it. What do you like? How do you navigate that? Well, if, if I try, you know, I check myself first and I'll bring it to somebody else um, and say, you know, what do you think about this? I really don't think that, and, and look, I try not to know as soon as I think I know, I, I end up not really knowing. And that's kind of how this business ends up working. So you have to be really sure but sometimes you can see that someone just does not have the cognitive ability or the 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 emotional they haven't done the emotional heavy work yet they're very young and they're what I do is I just sort of I try to align my expectations of their work with where with with who they are mm-hmm. and and so what I know is is like I I'm not probably not going to chuck them from the from my practice mm-hmm. I'll stay with them and know that they're by my standards, perhaps their growth will be slower, mm-hmm. but the growth from where they are mentally, emotionally might be exponential for them. Mm-hmm. And they'll have, you know, you know, these notable moments that, that feel very, you know, young and, and all of that, but you just hold space for that and let them mm-hmm. kind of come through it as they do. Now mm-hmm. for couples, it's a little bit different mm-hmm. couples. You can be far more directive in so much that you do. I got that note early on. One of my supervisors said that to me, you don't have to handle couples the way you hold a, a an individual client. Individual work with clients is very meandering. Often you're there, you're, you're a guide on the journey and you can kind of let them find their way in the dark sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's helpful with couples. You can just be like, boom, and I, I had occasion to do that very recently where I just said, this isn't couples work. He didn't want to be in the relationship. Not really. She was sort of 
corralling him into this relationship and he wanted to want to be in it, but he really didn't want to, he didn't want to do the work. And so when someone doesn't want to do the work, and I've said this before, or won't take responsibility for how they're showing up in their relationship, that's when I say, sorry, but this, this, this is where this ends. I can't, this isn't what I do. On the client side, we already talked about this a little bit, but how do they know or how, how do they identify when they're done with therapy? Well, I think that perhaps the work starts to feel more like less specific because so many of the things that they came to work on, let's say they came in to work on five things and you've kind of nicked them off and things feel pretty good and they find themselves not thinking about therapy before and having a, you know, sort of showing up but not really having much to talk about and they don't have anything burning. Now, this is what I'll say. And I just recently said this to a young woman who said, you know, Hey, I think I'm, I might be done. And so this is a therapist. You kind of have a feel for this. She said, I think I might be done. And I said, you know what, May, that might be true, but can we just take a look at it? I said, because this is what I think. There's nothing on fire in your current life and things feel really good. And where you started, this is amazing. You're really firing on all cylinders in your job and in your relationship and with your friends and in your daily life. And that's great. But what I know as a therapist, and you don't have to do this, this is what I offer, that when we take care of the chaos that's been burning in your daily life, now we have an opportunity to actually mm -hmm. dive the depths. Mm -hmm. And with this particular person, I said, you know, I think you have a significant amount of childhood trauma, mm -hmm. abandonment, that stuff's not going to go away. And while waters seem calm now, and you're managing really, really well, it will show up again. And it is up to you. I always give my clients their autonomy back. I don't want to take it from them, sure. but we could start doing that work now. Mm. But sometimes people just say, you know, I think I'm done for now. And I think clients should really should use their autonomy and they should make the choice. They should make the decision. Mm -hmm. And I always say, okay, well, then I door is open. And very often what happens is, Two weeks later, a month later, I get, you know, you know, let me yeah. in. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I thought I was okay. And that's, that too is part of the process, right? Yeah. Like they thought they were done. They were sure that they were done. They got back out there and they weren't quite done yet. And mm -hmm. that's okay. And I leave room open for that. And I won't even, I often won't even give up their space. I'll just fill it in with cancellation people or people want to pick up a spot. Sure. Cause I have a very good understanding that like they're probably coming back. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I can't tell you how much I wish that I had had therapists throughout my time that had had that sort of like awareness because mm -hmm. I am, I am 100% your client. Nothing's on fire right now. Like I'm feeling mm -hmm. good. I'm eating right. Mm -hmm. I'm having sex. Everything's great. You know, and then all of a sudden some, you know, one little thing happens and you're like, fuck my childhood issues <laughs> you know you you never allowed yourself to go into those places and i think that's probably like a really good conversation to have too of like choosing when you're talking about choosing a therapist staying with a therapist like i think it's important to have a therapist that kind of guides you to those places like you did because some some will yeah. just sit and listen mm -hmm. and you know some will kind of try to nudge you and be like hey why why do you think you are so angry? You know, where is this coming from? You That's know, right. that sort of thing. Like, mm -hmm. let's, let's dive in a little deeper to that little thing you said. Well, I think, I think, yeah, I think clients often by and large come to get that nudge. Mm -hmm. And I tell people up front, I will say shit sometimes. Some of it you might not like, 
but if I mm-hmm. feel it needs to be said, I will say it. I will try to say it compassionately, empathetically, and understandingly. But I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to get in there with you. Mm-hmm. I can't work with a client that I don't care about. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, I and I really care about those people who especially who dig in and do the work. And so I will say I'm going to be there shoulder to shoulder with you in this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where I see my clients kind of like skirting something or maybe not recognizing something that's obviously playing out, I'm going to say, let's take a look at that. Yeah. And sometimes they get some, depending on the situation, they might get upset and then look about, I didn't like it when you said that. I know, I know, but I know you needed to say it. Right. I did. I'm pretty sure I've said, fuck you, Lair, a few times. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's, Mm -hmm. that's. Yeah. Well, when I would make you cry. Well, this, so this goes back to the whole conversation of zoom versus office. Like there is no difference with you. You will literally look at me, feel your energy going into my brain. And I'm like, God, no, no, he's going to know. He's going to know. I'm fucked up right now. You know? (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me for Q&A part two. If you guys are listening to these questions, these Q&As, and you have questions, you can always email notyourmamastherapy at gmail.com. I will compile another list for maybe the next round of Q&As. You can also follow us on NYM Therapy on Twitter, NYM Therapy on Instagram. I feel like we should probably open a TikTok pretty soon here. Yeah, that's good idea. So, and then, of course, you can also follow Lair. I'll let you share your socials. Uh, Lair Torn, holistic therapist on Instagram. Yeah. Yep. And That's then, the main one. of course, if you're interested in Lair's book, The Practice of Love, you can always pick it up. Available at your local bookstore, Amazon, and any other number mm. of online retailers. Definitely worth the read. And ladies, check out the Audible. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. I'm, I can't wait for next week. <laughs> me too. And I, by the way, I got it on a high authority today from Ashley that we need to be doing more shows during the Ugh, month, more than I one. I know, I know, yeah. I know. She's talking about I know. It. Lindsay. I think we're getting a little traction. <laughs> People are downloading. I, listen, you told me that the other day and I almost shat myself. So <laughs> I was like, they're listening to us? It's okay. Us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a bunch of downloads. First day this last episode was out. A bunch. Insane. And let's not even talk about Norway. Oh my God, Norway. Norway. In my heart. We should go do a tour over there. We should. Number seven. I'm just saying. It's like number four prostitute in all of Kazakhs. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Talk to you later.